Right. Last week, we looked at a lesson that uh, talked about satisfaction and, and how we can go in our lives from having this longing inside of us that nothing else can feel, feel to satisfaction and satisfaction in God himself. Uh, tonight we're going to look at a lesson called From Worry to Peace. So turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Psalm 91. Psalm chapter 91, we're going to look at that psalm a little bit later um, tonight. And so let's start by uh, considering a, a question. And the question is, what is the worst catastrophe that you can imagine happening? The worst thing that you could imagine taking place. Um, I think most of our minds will probably go to some kind of natural disaster um, that, that would happen, some kind of earthquake or flood or, or something like that. Um, our study actually gives the example of um, an earthquake in 1960 in, in South America that actually registered 9.5 on the Richter scale, so the, the highest, I believe, in history. Um, and so it, they, they were... Whole villages that just it completely wiped out. Um, other things I thought that were interesting about this because um, the it caused a tsunami kind of under the ocean. It, it actually went and sixty one people were killed in Hawaii, um, over six thousand miles away. In Japan. Hundreds of people were killed, and it's over 8,000 miles away. So it's, it's hard to believe this one event that caused the, the loss of life, um, not, even, not only there where it occurred, but also you know, other countries, other, other continents, miles away. Um, and yet we, we can go to Scripture and see an even more devastating scene kind of being described in Psalm 46. This is what it says. God is our refuge. He's a, a place of shelter, a place of safety and refuge and strength. Or uh, another word would be stronghold. It's a, a place that's been armored or fortified to, to withstand an attack from outside. Uh, he's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its water roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so th this is describing almost like a, it's almost like a worldwide earthquake. So much so that, that mountains are thrown into the sea. And yet in verse 2, we see even the, in the midst of that kind of disaster that, that the people of God are not to fear. And we see why that is, because God is our refuge and our strength, it says he's a very present help in trouble. Um, it's kind of one of the main truths that we heard a lot about it at camp this year was we looked at the life of Joseph in our, our main worship times together and seeing that his life was not void of pain 
or, or trouble at all. He was, you know, sold into slavery by his, his brothers. He was falsely accused. Um, he was put in prison. But the point there is God was continually there with Joseph, and, and God was faithful to Joseph in and through those times of pain and trouble. It's the, the presence of God was there with him. So um, we're going to look at that a little bit tonight and, and think through that um, as we go through this together. So in your mind, I want you to kind of think about these next questions. Um, this is referred to in the lesson, the worry test. Is what this is called. So, thinking in your mind uh, about yourself and your response. So, first, number one, do you ever find yourself thinking, what if, and then feeling anxious? All of the possibilities that, that could happen. And then we, we start to go down that road in our minds, and many times it, it, it's hard to stop, right, until we, we have ourselves totally worked up thinking about all of these things and, and in despair. And, uh, and, and it's about something that hadn't even happened yet, right? It's hypothetical. Um, but yet in our minds and hearts, we can get ourselves in that place. Um, secondly, do you imagine the worst thing that could happen? Um, this happens sometimes. Um, for example, if you, if you call or text somebody and you don't get a response, right? And your mind starts rolling about what, what could be the problem? Uh, what, what kind of issues are they having? Um, our minds can easily take us to that worst case scenario. Um, third question, do new situations that you're uncertain about make you Uneasy. This is uh, it's a little bit different than the first two questions, but it, it still kind of deals with the unknown, right? Uh, unknown ha- has a tendency to cause us to worry, to be anxious. You know, I've never been here before. I don't know any of these people kind of thing uh, can, can cause anxiety sometimes. Um, and, and even as believers in Christ, as children of God, we we still deal with worry and anxiety. And we, there are times we don't experience peace, you know, in, in maybe in certain situations. And so let's look together now at Psalm 91. We're going to see um, what it is to kind of turn from worry to peace. And so let's look together at, look with me at verse 1. It says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And so the first thing we see here in verse 1 is the truths of this psalm that are getting ready to be spelled out in these verses that follow, they apply to the one who dwells or who abides or who stays. The the one who takes up... uh, Permanent residence in the shelter of the Most High. Um, when we think through this, there's a couple of ways kind of to think theologically uh, about this and to understand this, both of which are true. 
First, there's this positional understanding of, of our union with Christ. When we look at this verse, it talks about the one who, who stays permanently, right? Every, every millisecond, every day in the, in the shadow and the shelter of God. And the only one who, who has a perfect relationship with God the Father is Jesus Christ, God the Son. He, he's the only one who has a, a perfect, sinless, unstained, unblemished, relationship with God the Father. And so and as believers in our regeneration, we're, we're united together with Christ. And so it's, it's in and through this, this amazing union we have together with him that we're able to dwell and we're able to abide in the shadow and the shelter of the Almighty. And so through our union with Christ, then we're able to enjoy the, the blessings that are listed in this song. The other way to look at this verse and to think about it is, is in our actual day-to-day lives. It's our, it's our desire and it's our goal as believers to become actually who we are already positionally in Christ. So, so this verse then refers to the one who continues in close communion with the Lord through study of the Word. And, and through prayer and through worship together with God's people and with, through uh, accountability and, and all of the spiritual disciplines that we find in Scripture that we're responsible for. It's the one who, who seeks to, to grow in these things day after day after day who will see the blessings of this psalm. And as we said, both of these aspects are true. And for the one who, who abides in Christ, the one who is seeking him, then they can say with this psalmist here when we read in verse 2, and it says, it talks about my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So here the author of this psalm is not, we see him not listening to, to feelings or or emotions or, uh, of the moment or, or the circumstances they find themselves in, but rather this, this author here is, is confessing and, and proclaiming what they know to be true. God is their refuge and, and fortress in whom they trust. And so let's continue on here. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. It says, For he will deliver you, from the snare of the fowler and, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. And so it's um, take a, a few minutes here and kind of look at some definitions of what we, uh, what we find in these verses. First of all, um, the word snare here is used, and um, the, the word that's used here is a bird trap. So basically, it's a, a loop of some kind, some form of, of cord or cable that's, that's set out with bait above it. And, and when the bird goes to get the bait, it, it steps in the loop and it, it trips um, 
some sort of mechanism and it, it tightens the loop around the bird's leg and it's caught. Uh, the fowler um, is the one who is who sets the trap for the bird, who goes and gets the bird. And so um, it's this kind of danger that's being referred to with this illustration that uh, that the Lord rescues from enemies, from, from those who's, who plot against us, who seek to trap us. Um, the, the Lord delivers His people from those things. Uh, also, pestilence here means plague or disease. Um, Lord will deliver His people from these things. Um, I, it was, I found a couple of interesting um, stories uh, about this uh, that I thought I would share. James Montgomery Boyce actually told a, a couple, wrote a couple in his, his commentary on this, and he said, um, taught of a man named Lord Craven. Um, and he says, Lord Craven, a Christian, was a nobleman who was living in London when, pre- when plague ravaged the city in the 15th century. In order to escape the spreading pestilence, Craven determined to leave the city for his country home. He's going to flee and go. As he was walking down one of the halls of his home, he overheard one of his servants talking to another one. Um, oh, here we go. And um, here's what the servant had to say. I suppose by my Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in the town. And um, it, 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 uh, Boyce says here, it was straightforward. Apparently it was kind of an innocent remark that this servant made, but when Lord Craven heard it, he was, it, it struck him. And he, he actually ended up canceling his journey, and this is what he went back and said to that servant. My God lives everywhere, and can preserve me in town as well as in the country, I will stay where I am. And so he stayed in London. Um, he helped those who did catch the plague and were victims there, but he, he did not catch it himself. So a very um, interesting anecdote to, to consider there. Um, also, there's a similar story with uh, about Charles Spurgeon. Uh, there was a time when he was ministering to folks at his church, and um, Asiatic cholera broke out in his congregation. And he, he spent a lot of days and a lot of time visiting and, uh, with those who were ill and conducting funerals with those who, who passed away and visiting the grieving families. And it, it just it talked about how, to the point he was pretty much just burnt out, like physically, emotionally, spiritually, just from this toll that, that all of this had taken on him. And so one day, um, he was walking back from yet another funeral that he had uh, conducted, and, and he saw where a, a shopkeeper had actually posted a sign in his window. And on that sign were verses 9 and 10 of this psalm. Because you made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Um, 
And so it, it says in response to seeing this, Spurgeon said, the effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. I felt secure, refreshed, refreshed, enveloped in, with immortality. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil and I suffered no harm. The providence which moved the tradesman to put those verses in his window, I gratefully acknowledge. And in the remembrance of its marvelous power, I adore the Lord my God. Very interesting um, things there that have happened um, with these men and, and how they've kind of uh, applied this, uh, these passages to their, their lives. Um, a couple of other things here. Um, verse 4 talks about pinions um, or, or there, it's feathers. So the picture there then is a, of a mother bird. So kind of taking and covering her, her baby with her wings to, to protect them, you know, from maybe from bad weather or, or the, the heat or the cold or, or predators or anything like that. Just this, this idea of protection around the young. And at the end of verse 4, um, we, we see the word buckler here. or In some translation, it's, it's bulwark or, or rampart. And this is an interesting word because it, it's actually only found here in Scripture. Once, one time here. And the literal meaning of it is to surround on all sides or to completely cover over. Um, so some commentators believe that it, it actually refers to uh, like a small shield that a soldier would, would carry. And so the big shield would be like out in front, like it's heavy and all of that. This would be like a smaller one that they would, for example, strap to their arm so that they could move wherever they needed to um, in battle to protect themselves. And so therefore they're they're covered on all sides because they're able to move it so quickly and easily. Um, and that's what, what's translated here as, as buckler in the ESV. Um, others take it to mean some sort of wall, a, a defensive wall built to keep out the enemy. So therefore, uh, New American Standard translates it bulwark and the NIV translates it as rampart. But the main concept remains the same, this idea of being surrounded by protection from harm on every side. Um, and, and so we see this, this great uh, promise here of those who abide in the Lord. Um, let's continue reading. We'll look at verses 7 through 13. It says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample trample underfoot because he holds because he holds fast to me in love I will deliver him I will protect him because he knows my name 
When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And so we see all of these, um, these wonderful things that, uh, that the Lord talks about here for those that trust in him. Um, now, of course, we do have to be careful here because we we know that these verses are not these blanket promises right that will be saved from and protected from anything bad that could ever happen to us um that that's not how the christian life works you know as believers we're we're still subject to the effects of sin in this life in terms of pain sickness disease persecution death all of those things we are still Subject to um, one of the interesting things that I, I thought of when I was looking at this is um, the missionary Jim Elliot that he uh, he gave his life to go to, to Ecuador um, and to, to share the gospel and when they got there they were immediately killed him and those that were with him well his wife even though that happened his wife Elizabeth Elliot um, the biography she wrote about him, she entitled In the Shadow of the Almighty from this psalm, um, taken from verse 1. And so we see that in verse 15, that when, when trouble does come, God is there with us in the trouble. We'll be satisfied, kind of like we talked about last week, because our satisfaction is not in our, our circumstances or in our safety, but our satisfaction is in the presence of the Lord. So um, any anxiety, any worry that comes, we can turn, we, we read psalms such as this one, we, we memorize these psalms, we know what the Lord has promised. Uh, that even, even if danger and and even if we lose our lives, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. So that's the promise that we, we have. And so um, wonderful things that we see from Scripture. So let's close tonight in a word of prayer. Father, we, uh, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for this psalm. And uh, or even the ways that we, we see historically that, that people have, have read and, and treasured and clung to and, and, and believed in this and, and the difference it made in their spiritual lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would do the same for us. You would take it. Lord, you would apply it to our minds and our hearts that we might cling to you and trust you and know that you will Father, you, you care for us. You will work all things to good. Uh, so, Father, we, we praise you tonight. We pray that you would keep us as we continue through the rest of the week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you.